Hi, I'm Drew Beebe, the host of a new podcast from CNN called Great Big Story. It's a show about the curious side of the human experience. And I know that sounds like a lofty idea, but hear me out. Over the course of this show, we'll talk to some of the most interesting people you've ever met, from brilliant code breakers to a couple building their own artificial island. If you're itching for a good story and you're curious like I am, well, I think you might like this show. Give us a listen wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Good evening. There's new reporting tonight on nearly every aspect of the impeachment inquiry, including new CNN polling that shows a big shift on the question of impeachment itself. It was done before a whole string of developments, including enough late today to fill a week's worth of broadcasts. Just about 90 minutes ago, the intelligence community inspector general refuted a key Republican talking point on the whistleblower complaint, saying, yes, the whistleblower had, quote, direct knowledge of certain alleged conduct. In other words, it was not just hearsay, as the president's defenders had been saying. The inspector general, who, by the way, was appointed by President Trump, is the person who initially investigated the whistleblower's complaint and determined it should be seen by Congress. And according to new CNN reporting, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo also had direct knowledge of certain alleged conduct because, it turns out, he was on the call in July in which President Trump pushed Ukraine's president to investigate the Bidens, as well as the long-debunked conspiracy theory about the 2016 election, a made-up conspiracy theory that President Trump's own former Homeland Security advisor over the weekend said was a running obsession of the president, despite being told repeatedly it was debunked. According to other new reporting tonight, the president pushed Australia's prime minister to help Attorney General William Barr look into it, and that follows the news late today that the House Intelligence Committee has just subpoenaed the president's TV lawyer and Ukraine fix-it man Rudy Giuliani for documents relating to his efforts to lean on Ukrainian officials on the president's behalf. On top of that, there's what the president himself said about his desire to, quote, find out about the whistleblower. Listen. Mr. President, do you now know who the whistleblower is, sir? Well, we're trying to find out about a whistleblower. When you have a whistleblower that reports things that were incorrect, as you know, and you probably now have figured it out, uh, the statement I made to the president of Ukraine, a good man, a nice man, knew, uh, was perfect. It was perfect. But the whistleblower reported a totally different statement, like the statement it was not even made. I guess statement you could say with call. I made a call. The call was perfect. Uh, when the whistleblower reported it, he made it sound terrible. And then you had Adam Schiff, who even worse, made up my words, which I think is just a horrible thing. We're trying to find out about the whistleblower, the president said there, and all that stuff about what the whistleblower said not being what the call was is not true. As the uh, as to Congressman Schiff, who chairs the House Intelligence Committee, who you heard the president talk about there, he also tweeted that Congressman Schiff, and I quote, illegally made up a fake and terrible statement, pretended it to be mine as the most important part of my call to the Ukrainian president and read it aloud to Congress and the American people. It bore no relationship to what I said on the call. Arrest for treason? So that is the president of the United States asking his Twitter followers if the head of the House Intelligence Committee should be arrested for treason. That's where we are tonight. On top of that, the president invoking the Civil War with this tweet, quoting conservative pastor Robert Jeffress, reading from it now, quote, if the Democrats are successful in removing the president from office, which they will never be, it will cause a civil war like fracture in this nation from which our country will never heal. Pastor Robert Jeffress at Fox News. It was that kind of news on that kind of day. And it's not over yet. 
CNN's Jim Acosta has yet more new reporting, joins us now. Yeah. Uh, so, Jim, I mean, for, just how serious are the president and his advisors taking impeachment threat tonight? Hey, Anderson, I think a new reality is setting in over here at the White House. It's the reality that you and I are accustomed to. It's the one that's attached to the real world. Uh, I will tell you, uh, talking to some sources who have been involved in some of these conversations over here at the White House over the last few days, uh, there are aides and advisors who are now being upfront with the president, leveling with him that he faces the real likelihood of impeachment at this point. We're not getting into whether or not he would be convicted and removed from office over in the Senate, but that he could be impeached in the House of Representatives. And I will tell you, Anderson, I, I got a very stark uh, quote from a Republican congressional aide up on Capitol Hill just a short while ago who said, we are entering a phase with a lot of unknowns. People are anxious about what else is out there. I think that goes uh, directly to the anxiety that is being felt up on Capitol Hill. This party has been with the president every step of the way. Uh, but you do get the sense that the ice is starting to break. Both Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Giuliani have been issued subpoenas. Do we know what the strategy is going to be? Is there any indication the White House is going to let them comply? I mean, I think that's an excellent question. I think the news today that the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo uh, was on that July 25th call makes uh, what he has to say very important, because as we saw uh, in an interview on ABC a couple of weeks ago about all of this, uh, he was asked and he, I guess, acted as if he didn't really know what the uh, questioner, Martha Raddatz, was asking him about. And so uh, he might want to revise and extend those remarks. As for Rudy Giuliani, uh, that remains to be seen as well. But I will tell you, Anderson, talking to a couple of sources, uh, close to this process, uh, they are starting to, I guess, make the rumblings that, yes, the White House may decide to go ahead and invoke privilege to try to prevent uh, both of these aides from telling all that they know. But I, one caveat should be added to that, Anderson, and that is uh, there is a general feeling inside the president's strategic team that Rudy Giuliani is helping more than he is hurting. And while uh, that may uh, cause some spit takes up on Capitol Hill, especially among uh, Republicans who don't think Rudy Giuliani is helping. There is a feeling inside the president's team, and the president feels this way himself, that when Rudy Giuliani goes on TV, uh, he, he uh, releases such a fog of misinformation from time to time that it does tend to throw people off the scent. And there is that feeling that Rudy Giuliani may be needed. So uh, fasten your seatbelts. We may see that kind of situation unfold if Giuliani testifies. He did put out a statement, though, we should point out earlier this evening, Anderson, saying, you know, don't count on it just yet. Yeah. Anderson. Amazing that Rudy Giuliani's now biggest use is create a fog of misinformation. Quite a career turn That's for the right. guy. Uh, Jim Acosta, thanks. Joining us now, Senator yeah. Kamala Harris, member of the Intelligence and Judiciary Committees, Democratic presidential candidate and former California attorney general. Senator Harris, a lot to ask. First of all, I guess, what do you make of Jim Acosta's reporting that the president's allies are concerned he doesn't actually understand the gravity of this impeachment fight? Well, I mean, to be very candid, I don't think he has ever understood the gravity of the job, period. And um, and this is serious. This is a very serious matter. We are talking about the fact, as confessed by the president, essentially, and with plenty of evidence, including a cover-up and including clear evidence of consciousness of guilt, that the president of the United States used American taxpayer dollars to and to and held them hostage um, with an expectation of favor from the head of a foreign government. 
He should um, be concerned, but I don't know that he's ever demonstrated empathy on one end of the scale or um, consciousness of guilt um, in any real way on the other end. And, and so, but I think he's going to have to confront the realities of, of this most latest conduct through the impeachment process. It's also, I mean, it's, it's favor from a foreign government, not for the benefit of the United States on a policy basis. It's Correct. favor right. from uh, against a candidate. Personal favor. Yeah. I'm wondering what you make of the fact right. that the president had no problem tweeting a pastor's mention of civil war, that the country could, you know, sort of go through a civil war. Um, it, it, for a president to be invoking the, the very notion of Americans fighting against Americans over this issue is, I, were you, I guess, I, don't, I was going to say, were you surprised? I assume, yeah, we're all speechless. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're all speechless. Anderson, the last time our country endured a civil war was over America's original sin, slavery. And if Donald Trump thinks that this is a moment where he's actually being held accountable for his failures as president and his failure to uphold the, the oath to protect the Constitution of the United States and our democracy, if he's equating that with a war that took place between American people over slavery, I mean, it is yet again evidence of the fact that he is delusional in that he has a very outsized sense of himself as compared to the history of our country and all that we have been through and all that we are capable of. So, you know, I just think what's most important is we not indulge his um, delusions and uh, that we bring him back to reality. And I think the impeachment process will do that. There are a lot of supporters, though, of the president out there who are, you know, good people who work hard and voted for him in good faith and believe in, in him sure. to this day. I'm wondering what you say to them who, who look at this and say, well, look, this is just Democrats can't get him out of the by it through you know, the ballot box. So now they're just trying to do it this way. I, I, listen, I, I will never fault anyone for a decision they made about who to vote for, um, meaning that I don't believe that to be then the entire measure of who people are. What I would say is this, um, to everyone, and I say it all the time, the, the framers of our Constitution, the founders of our nation, they imagined a moment such as this. They imagined a moment where one branch of government would abuse its power. And so they designed our beautiful system of democracy, flawed though it may be, they designed it such that there would be checks and balances. And that's what's happening right now. And so the check and balance is that where there has been an abuse by the executive branch, Congress is acting. And this is evidence of the fact that our democracy is intact. And I think we all should, should, should support the fact that, that a democracy requires moments like this where there will be that check and balance and that, that's part of what makes us proud to be Americans, which is that we truly are a democracy with those kinds of checks and balances in place that actually work. In the introduction to the broadcast, we played the president saying in the Oval Office that they're trying to uh, find out about the whistleblower, learn about the whistleblower. Are you confident that Congress will be able to protect the whistleblower's identity? Because, I mean, it, and I'm wondering, do you believe that this person's not just job is in jeopardy, but I mean, they're very, I mean, that their life, are they in jeopardy physically? You know, I have to believe that um, 
and, and I do believe that the United States Congress, the leaders of the United States Congress, um, will do everything that is necessary to support and protect um, the whistleblower. The president's tweets and his behaviors about this are just further evidence of the fact that he uses his power in a way that is designed to beat people down instead of lift people up. Frankly, when you look at what he's been tweeting today, directed at the whistleblower, um, directed at, at so many people, uh, you know, I, I frankly think that based on this and all we've seen him do before, including ta attacking members of Congress, that he frankly should be, his Twitter account should be suspended. Um, I think there is plenty of, of, of now evidence to suggest that he is irresponsible with his words in a way that could result in harm to other people. And so the privilege of using those words in that way should probably be taken from him. But doesn't that, I mean, play into certainly the hands of, you know, his, what, I don't know how many Twitter followers he has. I think it's in the range of 60 million who say, well, look, OK, now they're now. You know, the the rich folks in Silicon Valley are just trying to cut out silence me and taking me off Twitter. I, I'm sure that that will that will be said. But I, it, we have to also agree that when the president of the United States speaks, her words are very powerful and should be used in a way that is not about belittling, much less harming anyone. And this president has, I think, never fully appreciated that responsibility. And so what we see continuously, including in the last 24 hours, is a use of his words, Donald Trump using his words, in a way that could subject someone to harm. And if he's not going to exercise self-restraint, then perhaps there should be other mechanisms in place to make sure that his, his words do not, in fact, harm anyone. And that's my point. What we want to make sure is that his words do not actually result in harm to anyone. Just, just lastly, uh, understanding the potential right. for that. Just lastly, a, a political question here. Politico is reporting tonight that you're shaking up the top level of your presidential campaign staff. Specifically, you're bringing your Senate chief of staff into the campaign, elevating another campaign advisor. I'm wondering, can you confirm whether that's true? And if so, what that says about the state of your candidacy, how you see yourself in the race right now? Well, I don't know if you heard, but I'm kind of moving to Iowa. <laughs> and um, our campaign is proceeding in a way that is about putting all of our resources into the task at hand. I will be spending an incredible amount of time in Iowa. I'm very proud of our team, um, which has been on the ground in all of the primary states. Have you made those um, staffing changes? We've got changes? some of the most talented people in the business. We are in the process of making sure that all of the, the folks who need to be on the ground are on the ground, and uh, we are moving full steam ahead, and I'm very proud of the work we're doing. All right, just one more time, but you, you won't confirm whether those specific staffing changes have been made. I, I haven't read the article, Anderson, so I can't, I can't tell you what the article says, but I will tell you that I'm very proud of our team, and we have accomplished a great amount of work thus far, which makes me a top-tier candidate. And um, by many accounts, within the top four, maybe five, but top four of, in a field of over 20 people. And so something's been going right, and we're going to continue moving ahead. Senator Harris, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up, is the whistleblower's life in danger? I'm going to ask former White House Chief of Staff, Defense Secretary, and CIA Director uh, Leon Panetta. Later, our legal team weighs in on the potential legal jeopardy now ahead for Rudy Giuliani. We touched on one of the many uh, pieces of breaking news tonight at the top, but before we get deeper into it, it's worth remembering that the weekend began 
with a stunning report in The Washington Post that President Trump, back in 2017, the day after firing James Comey, told Russia's foreign minister and ambassador to the U.S. that he was not concerned about Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. Now, that set the tone for the last several days, and it bears repeating because it cut, it's cut from the same cloth as the breaking news tonight about the president's behavior on phone calls with world leaders. According to a source familiar with calls the president had with foreign leaders dating through December of last year, he was so often so uh, so often unprepared that he was coached by several staff members and advisors as the calls took place to avoid veering off track. In addition, the source tells us the president often had to be reeled in by White House staff, adding that then Chief of Staff John Kelly would sometimes mute the call so staffers in the room could give the president guidance or advise him against saying something he should not say. More perspective now on that, as well as the day's other fast-moving events from Leon Panetta, President Obama's CIA director and defense secretary and White House chief of staff in the Clinton administration. Secretary Panetta, what do you make of the news that Secretary Pompeo was on the phone call with President Trump and the president of, of Ukraine? How problematic could that be? I think it's very problematic, uh, particularly for uh, Secretary Pompeo, who, uh, at least up to this point, uh, has not acknowledged that uh, he was on the call. Uh, and if he was on the call uh, and uh, then uh, did not say something about the contents of that call, I think that can raise issues uh, regarding uh, his credibility as well. Well, the only comment Pompeo has made so far in this was last week when he said that he hadn't yet read the rough transcript, which is obviously you know, disingenuous since he was on the call, according to all the reporting. It's hard to imagine a secretary of state attempting to brush away the gravity of this, at least under normal circumstances, I would think. Yeah, no, it, it, raises, uh, it raises some serious concerns about whether uh, Secretary Pompeo has been forthright about what was involved here. Uh, look, you know, we heard uh, Tom Bosser. Uh, who was a Homeland Security advisor to the president, uh, indicate that uh, this whole conspiracy idea that Giuliani was pitching uh, was, you know, had been debunked a long time ago uh, and was frustrated that uh, the president kept uh, somehow grabbing on to that conspiracy theory. Uh, if Tom Bossert knew about that, uh, then there's no question in my mind that Secretary Pompeo knew about uh, that phony conspiracy as well. So it raises concerns about whether the secretary took steps to really try to, to prevent the president from making the mistake he made on that phone call, uh, or whether, frankly, he was an, an enabler. Uh, and that, that raises serious questions then about just exactly what kind of role did he play with regards to this whole issue. I'm wondering when you hear the president and his allies not just attacking the credibility and the motive of the whistleblower, but also suggesting that, you know, the person's identity needs to be revealed. Um, I mean, that goes against everything that a whistleblower, uh, you know, protection is is supposed to accomplish. Uh, The purpose of that whistleblower law is to be able to protect someone who uh, sees something illegal going on or some kind of fraud taking place uh, and reports that uh, and is protected from any retaliation as a result of that. Uh, This particular whistleblower, uh, having revealed what uh, that individual found to be the case, now is the target 
of uh, the President of the United States. So the real test is going to be whether or not uh, this whistleblower, in fact, can be protected in presenting his complaint. Is he ultimately really going to be protected? Or is he going to have to, frankly, uh, reveal himself, which is against everything that the Whistleblower Act was meant to protect? Do you think the whistleblower is actually in danger? I don't think there's any question but that targeting the whistleblower uh, really does jeopardize uh, the life of that individual. Uh, And it's for that reason, I think, uh, that we have to take this very, very seriously when it comes to the whistleblower law. If we want that law to have any strength, if we want to encourage others to abide by the whistleblower law, we are going to damn well have to protect this individual. I mean, that's an extraordinary statement that it's not just, you know, their career that they need to be concerned about. It's their actual physical safety. No, I don't, th- I don't think there's any question. You know, y- your life suddenly becomes uh, in jeopardy. Uh, and there are those... Uh, that have no qualms about uh, going after somebody who revealed uh, something that uh, impacts on the presidency of the United States. Uh, But again, the whole point of our democracy is to encourage people to be able to reveal crimes that they're aware of uh, and not be punished for revealing those crimes, not be punished for revealing something they thought uh, violated uh, the Constitution and violated our laws. Mm. Uh, Secretary uh, Panetta, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Just had Rudy Giuliani subpoena. The question is, will he actually comply and does he have to? That's next. Rudy Giuliani appears to be suggesting he may not comply with the subpoena issued earlier today from three House committees for documents related to the impeachment inquiry. Short time ago, he wrote, quote, I have received a subpoena signed only by Democrat chairs who have prejudged this case. It raises significant issues concerning legitimacy and constitutional legal issues, including inter alia, attorney client and other privileges. It will be given appropriate consideration. In their subpoena, the committee chairs wrote, and I quote, our inquiry includes an investigation of credible allegations that you acted as an agent of the president in a scheme to advance his personal political interests by abusing the power of the office of the president. Spina also cites this moment from Giuliani's interview with uh, my uh, colleague, Chris Cuomo, in which he eventually admits he asked Ukraine to look into Joe Biden. Did you t- ask the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden? No, actually, I didn't. You never asked finding... anything about Hunter Biden. You never asked anything about Joe Biden. The only thing I asked about Joe Biden is to get to the bottom of how it was that Lutsenko, who was appointed, right. dismissed the case against Antac. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden? Of course I did. You just said you didn't. The subpoena also demands Giuliani turn over all the tax phone records and other communications. He cited repeatedly in TV interviews as proof he was working for the administration in his dealings in the direction of the State Department with Ukraine. Joining us now, former FBI General Counsel James Baker and former Deputy Assistant Attorney General Elliot Williams, both are CNN legal analysts. Uh, James, how big of a development is this? Because Giuliani, from the whistleblower's account and by his own admission, seems to be at the center of the investigation. Can he not cooperate? Well, he can he cannot cooperate to a certain degree. Yes. I mean, I think all Americans should cooperate fully with a lawful subpoena from Congress. That seems straightforward unless 
you have a valid privilege that you can assert. So I would, I would expect that the mayor, at the end of the day, if he gets good legal advice, which I hope he does from uh, somebody else, that he would c- comply at least in part, would be my guess, provide some documents and, com- and claim that he is, uh, he's provided documents. My guess is he will try to assert attorney-client privilege over a lot, privilege over a lot of material, not comply with that part of it, and then you're going to end up in court and Congress will try to enforce the, the subpoena, and it'll take months, and uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I think it's a logical step for Congress to do, and he should comply, but he doesn't have to comply if he has a legitimate privilege he can assert. Yeah, I mean, Elliot, I, just let alone, uh, you know, putting aside even presidential uh, you know, executive privilege, just attorney-client privilege, any conversations he has with his client, uh, President Trump, I assume that he can legitimately argue is attorney-client privilege. Conversations with you know, people, the State Department, if he is doing something on be- at the behest of the president or for the benefit of his client, does is that privilege through attorney-client privilege? Yeah, what I think is incredibly complicated here is that we don't quite know what Rudy Giuliani's role is, and that's going to affect what kind of privilege he can assert. Is he acting as an agent of the president? Is he acting as the president's personal lawyer, which would allow him to assert attorney-client privilege? If that's the case, that means that, the, you know, we it's almost an acknowledgement that the president is acting to his own benefit, right? So, and he's not... Um, an employee of the executive branch, I think. And so that gets in the way of his ability to claim, for the president's ability to claim executive privilege. So who exactly is Rudy Giuliani? The thing is, he's sort of all over the place. And I think by being all over the place and acting both as as a personal lawyer to the president and apparently as an arm of the State Department, he's jeopardizing the privileges that he can claim. So I just don't see how he wins uh, a privilege claim here. And I think this ultimately ends exactly as Jim had said, Congress suing him and either holding in, him in contempt of, uh, of, you know, of, of a duly executed congressional subpoena, and if it really comes to it, an obstruction of justice charge, because we now have an open uh, impeachment proceeding. So it just remains to be seen. Although, James, I mean, you, you said, you know, it goes to courts, that, that takes months. You know, if the Democrats are uh, hoping, you know, if folks in Congress are hoping to, you know, try to kind of streamline this and just focus on this one issue and get it done by the end of October, that seems unlikely then there there would be any resolution on whether Giuliani would cooperate or not. Well, you're not going to get, yeah, I think think you're right, Anderson. You're not going to get a resolution on that particular part of it. And so if Congress is building its whole case around what they're going to get from Rudy Giuliani, that's a big mistake. But I doubt that they are. I would expect that they, uh, you know, they, they've, they've figured out whether the, uh, the former mayor will comply. Probably not. I'm sure they're factoring that into their decision. But it's a logical thing to do, and I think they would be remiss if they didn't at least try to subpoena the, uh, the uh, Mayor Giuliani. They, they, they have to do that. I mean, look, he's going to try to assert these privileges, but he's talked so much in the media uh, and publicly about what it is that he did that at the end of the day, he, I, I think he's probably waived on behalf of his client, uh, you know, presumably with the support of his client, because uh, the privilege belongs to the client. But I, I, he's just made so many statements, I doubt it's going to hold up in court at the end of the day. But as I said, it's going to take a while to sort out. And Elliot, I mean, the intelligence community inspector general pushed back on assertions by the president, some Republicans, about that the whistleblower didn't have firsthand knowledge and the rules regarding how these kind of whistleblower complaints are processed. Uh, were you surprised that that he came out and did that? Uh, uh, did he, that the, that the, the inspector, inspector general, general yeah, publicly. 
But again, look, what we've seen uh, countless times now is a very, very, very broad notion of what privilege is from the president and the attorneys around him. And so certainly, I mean, I think these are quite thin assertions. We've seen it. We saw it, frankly, throughout the entire special counsel investigation some months ago. And as we've been talking about tonight here again. And so, no, I'm not surprised these are pushed back on just because they're not they're, they're legally quite thin. And I just and I'll say it again. I just don't see how he's able to sustain these assertions of privilege if he is, in fact, to make mm-hmm. them. Elliot Williams, uh, James Baker. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Up next, how the uh, the president's backers in Congress are defending or trying to defend what the president said on that phone call. Again, part of our breaking news tonight, the intelligence community inspector general has refuted a popular claim among President Trump's defenders that the whistleblower has no firsthand knowledge of the accusations against the president. Overall, it's been a tough past few days for the president's defenders. White House senior advisor Stephen Miller dodged questions and couldn't cite a law the Bidens broke. In one interview, Congressman Jim Jordan was repeatedly fact-checked on air on CNN, and House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy had his own highly publicized fact-check on 60 Minutes. President Zelensky says we are almost ready to buy more javelins from the United States for defense purposes. And President Trump replies, I would like you to do us a favor, though. Well, you just added another word. No, it's you said, in I'd the like transcript. you to do a favor, though. Yes, it's he, in the, it's in when the I read White the tra- House transcript. Well, for more on the Republicans' defense strategy, we have former Trump White House lawyer and CNN legal commentator Jim Schultz, also Republican strategist and CNN political commentator Anna Navarro. Uh, Anna, you heard the president's allies, you know, defending him, casting aspersions on, on the whistleblower. Do you think this is a dangerous time? I mean, how how seriously I'm wondering what you make of the president's defenders reactions to this. If it wasn't so serious, it would be funny because what we are seeing is a theater of the absurd. You've got the top Republican in the House of Representatives who goes on 60 Minutes without knowing what the transcript said without having read it and gets fact-checked on real time. You've got Jim Jordan, who goes out there and uh, tries to act indignant and horrified. He's scandalized by Hunter Biden at the same time that he is defending an administration where there is all sorts of uh, profiteering from the presidency. And then, you know, you've got my old friend Lindsey Graham, who, who really crosses the Rubicon of hypocrisy. And there is so much video, so many, so many clips of, of Lindsey saying during Clinton exactly the opposite of what he is saying now. You've got Rudy Giuliani, who used to be the top U.S. attorney in New York. He was the law. Now, seeming absolutely lawless and crazy and just making, making the most unsubstantiated claims. And so what, 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 when I look at it, you know, and some of these people I've known for many, many, many years, Rudy and Lindsay, it feels like I'm, I'm, lo- I'm watching the invasion of the body snatchers. Who are these people? They are unrecognizable to me. It's like they have, mm. they have lost all conscience and all moral compass in order to defend the indefensible. Jim, the, the president's former Homeland Security Advisor, who I think you know, Tom Bossert, told ABC that not only is the substance of the president's phone call with the Ukrainian president problematic, but that the president has to get over his debunked conspiracy theory about the 2016 election involving Ukraine. Do, do you agree with what Bostert is saying? 
Look, Bostrich's a credible guy. I said that on TV last night, and I respect his opinion. But let's not, what he was talking about related to the DNC servers, not relating to the, as it relates, the debunked theory related to DNC servers and not relating to the phone call with the president of Ukraine. Uh, that being said, I, I agree there is some hysteria. The phone call with the president of Ukraine thing. was asking, I mean, of the two asks, it was uh, look into, investigate the debunked theory. Uh, the coat made up theory about Ukraine and the servers. I mean, that, that was the first ask. The second was, no, no. do me a, you know, do me a favor on, well, do me a favor on that. And then the other ask was, uh, uh, you know, was about Biden. Looking into the Biden issue. Yeah. And I, oh, look, it's, it's the president's prerogative to ask folks to look into corruption as he sees it. And, I, and there's been, I don't believe there's anything unlawful here as it, or criminal here as it but, relates to the president's but you, conduct. But you, you legitimately said, believe he Anderson, was asking, you legitimately believe he was asking the president of Ukraine to look into corruption writ large, but just only happened to mention Biden, that no, that was, was the only form. specific about what he was asking. No, no, I'm the Anderson, I, I make the No, he was specifically asking, he was asking about asking the Biden. Biden right. As it related to Biden. And, but, but again, I don't believe there's any criminality in making that ask. And I, you're going to be hard pressed to find any lawyers that, are, that, that would say differently as it relates to criminality. That doesn't, that doesn't mean Congress can't hold hearings and, and do what they're doing. Um, Congress, but I also think as it relates to the kind of the hypocrisy that you're talking about, you have con- members of Congress saying to impeach, we need to impeach them effort. You have members of Congress making stuff up. You have members of Congress saying we have to impeach because, you know, we can't so win in 2020. the hypocrisy I mean, time is and from time members again, of Congress. The hypocrisy here is going, is going all around right. on this one. So you're you taking, know, a, brave, to, you're you know, taking a brave stand the, and that calling... The White House staff, right. let me finish, to say that the White House staff is the right. only folks that need to be criticized in this. Right, I, but you're not I criticizing them at all. So uh, you, right now, all you're saying is that com- members of Congress, Democrats are hypocrites. Look, folks, need, folks need to get their facts straight. And look, uh, you know, as it relates to this, to the, um, to the letter that we got from the Inspector General's office today. Sounds like a lot of bureaucracy to me. I, I don't much care what, what the form said. At the end of the day, the transcript script was released. The right. facts are in front of us and so, Congress okay, has got to so make a determination. What, facts what, on what, the what the whistleblower said or didn't say, right. I could really care less because we have the, we have the actual transcript right. of what was said in the conversation. But you only know about it because of the whistleblower. So you're saying mm-hmm. you could care less about the I mean, Anna, the, the, if the whistleblower no, had look, not come look, forward, look, we're learning fact, now how look, it seems like there's an awful lot of people, including the Secretary of State, who was in on this call and knew about what the president right, but, had said. But that's to, really the facts that we're right. looking at now. You're looking at they are secondhand facts that are coming across. We have the firsthand facts. We have the transcript. So, again, I, the whistleblowers, they come forward. That's what they do. And, and the fact that they made a complaint, well, who cares? The fact of the matter is it was brought to the attention of the United States people. That's a good thing that things are brought to the attention of the United States people. But we have the transcript. There's no criminality there. I'm not concerned about it. Okay. Well, a few it, things. It's number one, it, number okay, one yeah. the reason we saw the transcript is because Nancy Pelosi finally agreed to an impeachment inquiry. And that forced the hand of the administration to release the transcript. But for that, we would have not seen the transcript, which matches what no, the whistleblower know, complaint that, is. Of course you know about that. You think they would have done it? They've had all this time to do it. They, they did it because Nancy you know, Pelosi forced their the hand. Bar and, and I can also tell you, listen, I can also tell you where that. Okay, listen, I didn't interrupt you, so let me just respond without you interrupting Sorry, me I'll, if I'll you don't mind. Go. My apologies. Here's no, the criminality. No, here's the no, criminality no. I see. The criminality I see is asking a foreign government for something of value for a campaign. 
Biden isn't just any regular citizen. He is the top Democrat contender that's going to be running against Trump. This is in the midst of a presidential campaign. That is criminal behavior. Abuse of power by the president of the United States is criminal behavior. And we know now that the whistleblower's complaint matches the transcript. And we know because of what came out today yeah. that it is not hearsay, that he had First hand exactly. right, knowledge. I, I, I got, we're, I'm just out of time, but uh, to be continued. Well, let, me, let me make a point there. No, no, we're, we're, I, I got to go. I'm sorry. James okay. Stoltz and Navarro, thank right, you. No problem. Just ahead, in the wake of the whistleblower complaint and impeachment inquiry, I'll talk with uh, one of the most storied whistleblowers in recent American history, Daniel Ellsberg, who leaked the Pentagon Papers. Tonight, we've been talking about a whistleblower inside the U.S. government who alleges wrongdoing at the highest level, who's been threatened by the president and his allies after coming forward. A person many people believe has done what he or she feels is their patriotic duty to alert the public to, con to conduct they believe undermines the United States. Well, tonight, it's an unknown person. Almost 50 years ago, it was Daniel Ellsberg in America's long secret history in Vietnam. In 1971, Ellsberg, a military analyst, leaked the Pentagon Papers, uh, 7,000 pages of top secret documents revealing three presidents knew the Vietnam War was unwinnable and the government lied to Congress and the public about the progress of the war. Mr. Ellsberg is with us to talk about what he experienced and how he believes it compares to the current controversy with President Trump. Dan, you're in a unique position to, to assess what's happening right now. I'm wondering what you make of it, what you've seen so far. Well, I'm in an unusually good position in a sense since half my life ago, 45 years ago, President Nixon was facing impeachment and considerable part for crimes he took against me as a whistleblower. Uh, I was in court. I was facing charges, uh, not treason, by the way, but essentially uh, charges for copying classified information and giving them to the New York Times and to uh, 18 other newspapers at that time. But I was also saying things about Nixon that he didn't want the public to hear about threats he was making, nuclear threats to North Vietnam, threats of escalation. And in particular, uh, in May of 1973, uh, two I was saying that he was about to unleash B-52s against North Vietnam for the first time. And he had 12 CIA assets, people from the Bay of Pigs, brought up from Miami with orders to incapacitate me totally. And uh, I must say, I asked their prosecutor later, what did that mean? Kill me? And he said, the orders were incapacitate you totally. He said, you have to understand these guys, CIA people, never used the word kill. They used neutralize. I'm, I'm saying that to say that I think that the uh, lawyers of this whistleblower who feel that he's in personal danger, having been threatened quite openly by this president, are not exaggerating. I would say he is in personal danger. What's your advice, advice to this whistleblower? My advice would be to uh, do what I wish I had done in 1964 and didn't do when I had when I knew that the president Johnson, my president, was lying us into a hopeless war, but in particular lying to Congress, violating his oath to the Constitution and by keeping my mouth shut, as I did then, like everybody else who knew that I was violating my oath to the Constitution. So I would tell them, do what it took me five years to do and don't wait that long till bombs are falling on Iran or an, another war has started, thousands have died, uh, or you understand that the Constitution is being violated 
as Ed Snowden realized with the mass surveillance that the NSA was doing, and at personal risk, face the possible personal con consequences, which could be very severe, of telling the truth to Congress and to the press. And don't wait. This whistleblower obviously has gone about it in a different way than you did. Uh, this whistleblower did not go to the press. They went through the official channels. Does it surprise yes. you that uh, they it, chose that way and that it seems to uh, certainly have gotten uh, attention? By the way, uh, the channels that he's using, the um, Whistleblower Protection Act for intelligence agents, didn't exist in my day. I wasn't an intelligence agent to begin with, but there was no federal... Uh, protection of whistleblowers at that time. No real medium for me to go. Now, even in these days with this law, that route rarely works. It gets bottled up. And people who make the complaint are simply identified to their superiors as a troublemaker, as an unwelcome truth teller, and uh, they're fired or great retaliation is taken against them. In this particular case, the system worked. So I have to uh, congratulate not only the whistleblower, but uh, the intelligence uh, community inspector general, who, although he was not required to tell Congress, did choose to do that. And the director of national intelligence, McGuire, also okayed that. So I congratulate both of them. They made the system work as it's supposed to do. There's certainly people who are going to be watching very closely what happens to the, this whistleblower to see if they're willing to come forward. That's true. The, uh, the act is intended to protect whistleblowers from retaliation. It rarely does that. And we'll see whether it does this time. As for the president's words, if that isn't intimidation of a witness, uh, I don't know what would be. But what I started out by telling you, Anderson, is the little known story that uh, when he says what we used to do to spies and traitors, uh, I think he must be talking about under George III, when telling unwelcome truths about misbehavior or any other thing about the monarch was treason. And the punishment for that was drawing and quartering. So that may be what he was thinking to get back to. Dan Ellsberg, thank you for, uh, for talking to us tonight. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, a lot more ahead tonight, including what the mood is like at the White House tonight with all the breaking news developments. We'll be right back.